0: It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Chris, let's tell everyone about our brand new sponsor.
2: Yes, new sponsor alert.
0: Egg Fried, brand new clothing brand from our very own home county of Essex. If you're a street art, comic books kind of alternative lifestyle going to gigs watching cool films crazy art throwing a kind of little bit of asian culture and a slightly warped sense of humor and then you kind of get where they're going with egg fried right what do they make
2: they make punchy graphic tees hoodies sweatshirts wicked art prints as well as a denim range that's handmade in house which i think is really cool because it supports that slow fashion movement it's domestically made stuff and it lasts a long time and that's really where we're going now we shouldn't be buying a load of throwaway stuff
0: absolutely and they're supporting your wallets as well and let me tell you how they're doing that if you go over to eggfried.com go and buy some of their amazing garments throw them in your uh, basket before you check out they have given you lovely listeners an exclusive 10% discount code and that discount code is EGG SALAD E-Double put that in, save yourself 10% and, and if you're not even up for spending money on yourselves who else can they spend their money on, Chris?
2: They have a kids range called Small Fried very cute, very cool and that's also available at eggfried.com
0: Official sponsors of Hardcore Listing
2: Whoop whoop! Hello, welcome to Hardcore Listing. It's um, one of your co-hosts, the more gnomish looking one. It's Christopher Glasson here today. Um, Stuart Weirwithin is otherwise occupied. The absolute cheek of him to not be able to make a podcast. So you will have to stand for my dulcet tones for the whole episode. But luckily, I have a guest today who I will introduce very shortly. Um, but before that, if you haven't listened to Hardcore Listing before, it's a podcast where we invite a guest on to run through a top five of their choice. That could be top five um, post-punk albums. It could be top five sandwich fillings. It could be top five haircuts that never really pulled off Uh, what the the look they were really going for. Um, And also just a shout out to our sponsors. So we have three wonderful sponsors now, Egg Fried, who are our most recent one, a streetwear label um, that are choir, punk and, you know, skateboard inspired. Um, And you can get a 10% discount code off of Egg uh, Fried at the moment with the code EGG SALAD. So go and have a look at their lovely wares. They also make uh, one-off denim pieces. So very cool. Um, and also our longstanding, long-suffering sponsors, lovebeer.co.uk and Charles from Love Beer. If you want some wonderful hand-crafted um, beers, go and uh, speak to Charles over there. And he'll also build you a bar if you've actually got that amount of money. How much have you saved up in COVID? I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, you might, you might have the money for that now. Um, and finally, of course, the wonderful loop from Bang Boom Creative. Um, Bang Boom is a media company who film, f- uh, photograph and edit a variety of different productions uh, from working with people, uh, the company such as Children in Need, to the Katie Piper Foundation. <laughs> and for some reason, Luke and Bang Boom decided to, to sponsor Hardcore Listening. So we're, we're forever grateful, guys. Thanks to everyone. And to um, another long-suffering person is our producer, Seventy Six. Hope you're doing well, Stu, and enjoy editing this one. I will tell you about our guest now introduce our wonderful guest. It's Bobby Temps. Hi, Bobby.
1: Hello. I love the disclaimer about the editing. I'm like, is that me? (laughs) Am I going to be difficult? (laughs) The
2: the funny thing is, Bobby, when I said that, I was like, we really never actually edit anything. So unless unless you were like, oh, Chris, take that out. Um, you oh, know, I've got most to get out like... all
1: my worst views then now. Give <laughs> him <them> a job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Keep, keep him busy. Um, I think his job's probably harder now because of, of the situation mm. and he has to get the levels, at, at, you know, he has to adjust that a little bit more. But um, sterling effort 76 so far, so good. Um, Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on today. Um, you've got a wonderful podcast already and you just released a, a new one as well yeah and we'll come on to that in a minute um but thanks very much for coming on your top five actually is in relation to your more recent podcast that's uh, that's just come out two weeks ago so um would you like to tell us a little bit about the new podcast that you've just released
1: sure so it's called dating games the modern relationships podcast And basically, we get on funny people each week, mostly comedians, but a bit of a mixture. And we start off with a bad, funny, awkward, confusing, whatever, dating experience. And then from there, just kind of have a chat about their approach to dating and kind of often it ends up being what's happened since so we start off really low (laughs) with some stupid experience and then you know for a lot of them contrast to and now I'm happily married or something to give us single people some hope and it's it's a lot of fun I get to meet new cool people which in lockdown as an extrovert I really appreciate (laughs) I, I think podcastings like that you always see parts of yourself in the content even though it's meant to be about the listeners and yeah it's been really fun so far so we've done three episodes so far um people seem to like it but still early days
2: what made you start it what made you start dating games
1: um i think i mean that uh, i could give you the kind of pr answer which is um dating is something that really fascinates me and i think Actually, it's not until starting the podcast I've realised how much I have to say about it because I keep being there in interviews, saying, um, talking about my experiences, and thinking, "Am I going to run out?" And I think the answer is very much no. And the part of the more the the real element to that answer is also that with my other podcast uh, called Mental, it's a podcast about mental health. And, of course, it's quite serious, uh, understandably. You know, we do have a laugh, but there's, you know, very deep and and nuanced topics discussed. And so part of it was having something different, you know, feeling that I was becoming very known in the mental health world and in campaigning, but then a little bit becoming known as that mental health guy. And, you know... I. I've always been somebody with many jobs, so I think I'm quite resistant to being one thing. And so it was uh, something uh, kind of counterway, something completely different, but a bit related, that can be funny and sort of balance it out. Um, and I guess the weird thing that we'll find out is, will people prefer me on one or the other? <laughs> like, will they only like fun Bobby, or they'll only like serious mental health Bobby? I,
2: I think sometimes the answer can be both. I think no, uh, <laughs> I that I think with with what we do on hardcore listening is a lot of the time it can be quite a throwaway top fives and and, and madness, but a lot of the our, our most popular ones have been the more serious ones
1: because
2: mm. I think we all have that side about. I think we're not one dimensional, are we? I think there's always a serious side and a thoughtful side to human beings, yeah. and also the, the the more fun side. And and strangely, I think your two podcasts they do have quite a lot of overlap, and especially. When Stuart said what your top five was going to be, I thought That's, that is amazing and, and also hor- horrifying if I start thinking about my dating history and how that changed as technology changed. And also, I think how that is linked in with mental health, like so much so. Uh, my own mental health and, you know, and, and potentially the mental health of the people that, are, that I'm dating. Mm. And, um because we, we all have that, and it changes. It's, it can be transient. And uh, that completely, I think, affected my experience and also the experience of a lot of my close friends, especially on, on, um, when, the, when the birth of Tinder especially came about. It had, it had a, a very, uh, not always, positive effect on them. Um, it very, I find it fascinating. So, yeah, it could be serious and also an absolute uh, laugh to discuss. And I think also with my dating stories, I think it's. I look back now and I can laugh about them. And some of them, when you're in it, you're just like, "How did this? You can't write this. This is awful." Mm. <laughs> so amazing. So, have you? Is your top five in a in a particular order? So are you counting down, maybe from five to one?
1: Uh, here's the tricky thing. I don't know if I can put them in order, to be honest. So maybe you can decide if the order is right. I feel like five and and one are both quite equally intense just looking at my list now <laughs> um, so I don't know maybe that's a reflection of me
2: <laughs> well let's let's start and I will be very happy to um sit here and judge you Bobby for your your dating endeavors so yeah no that sounds great man so uh we'll start with, we'll start with what your first one is anyway Go. great
1: okay so number five um was me having a meal out with uh, someone who I thought of as a friend and what sometimes happens to me and I think it's you know my friendships a lot of the time are like people from different backgrounds from like different works that I do and so I spend a lot of time with people one-on-one and I think that's actually part of the reason why I'm quite comfortable being single most of the time, because I'm so the opposite end of the spectrum to someone that has a breakup and then suddenly has no one to go to the cinema with. And yeah. that one of the things that comes from that, and maybe my intensity from people might guess from hosting a mental health podcast, for example, is um, I, I I can be quite cuppily with a lot of my friends. Um, you know, we will tend to be pretty close and talk about deep shit and spend a lot of time together one on one. and i 'm trying to excuse it that 's probably not the reason. but for whatever reason, uh, the waitress clearly thought me and my mate want a date. And she was just like, you know, when someone's being kind of subtly supportive, she's just smiling at us a little bit too much. And I'm like, <laughs> I, and and I just took it as a compliment. I was like, oh, she obviously just thinks two attractive guys like that. There we go. <laughs> put them together. Um, and so and there was a lot of like checking in on us, like asking if the food was OK, if we were OK, all of this sort of stuff, which, you know, is sweet. She's being an ally and. Um, I, you know, I didn't think a huge amount of it. I just found it funny. And then she like, um, came for the bill and was then asking quite a few questions of what have you got after this? How's your meal been? Like, she was clearly having a bit of a pry and I just sort of vaguely answered the questions. And then she walked away and I sort of chuckled to myself and uh, he asked me why. And I was like, oh, you don't want to hear this. And he, he insisted and I was like, right, so the waitress clearly. And I explained. Um, and he paused for a moment, looked me like dead in the eye, suddenly very serious and was like, oh, but it was a really good date. <laughs> And my um, oh. my blood kind of went cold a bit because and and I I really don't think I made a mistake there. Like I think yeah. he maybe had some kind of intentions or some something was going on, but it didn't yeah. feel like he was making a joke. Yeah, and I think I probably oh. did one of those ah, <laughs> kind of noises. <laughs> and then um, and then I don't know what I can't remember what was said next. Anyway, so that was that for context as well in my defence. Yeah. We spent a significant amount of this date in air quotes talking yeah. about his girlfriend, who was current. <laughs> so, do you see what I mean? This gets worse and dude, worse.
2: Dude, you can't, you can't, you can't be, you can't blame yourself then for thinking that you were just having a catch up when, when, yeah. they the circumstances. A right? meal,
1: and and then it gets even worse What's than that?
2: that. He was, he wasn't joking then. He was kind he, he was, he was quite serious. Did you probe that a bit? To see I don't think I kid. did.
1: I think I was scared to ask. And another thing I was scared to ask about <laughs> was um, not long after he broke up with the girl. Go- no, I I can't remember how it happened. But but they had a breakup, and um, uh, and then he was like talking to me w- one time and saying, "Oh yeah, like I've you know had a bit of like cheating in my past. Like I'm trying to work on it, but I was thinking of cheating on her." at one point and I'm and again my blood went cold and I was like I'm, I'm not gonna ask I'm just like my, no. my mind was like I think I know possibly here something and I'm not actually going yeah. to ask um and that's yeah and we're still oh, friends
2: wow. <laughs> so, I think in thinking that instance maybe ignoring the elephant in the room because if you don't want to if you if you don't want to confront that then it, that could just open up avenues of Further disaster. Um, I've been that person. I have, like, especially when I was younger. Mm. I think um, I certainly wasn't, and this links into all things like your other podcasts and whatnot, mental health and, and and security. I think when I was less secure in myself and who I was, I also found it much harder to even ask girls on dates and stuff like that. And I would find myself strangely navigating into the into the friend zone. Where really, I was kind of hoping this was a date, mm. but it certainly hadn't been made clear that it was a date. And it, it was ne- there, were never, there was never really a positive outcome for that, for that strategy. And I think when I learned to be more happy with myself and also not worrying about rejection mm-hmm. and not caring if people didn't fancy me, like people just aren't into you, and that's absolutely cool, that's fine. I found myself being able to just making sure that I would made it much clearer of what my intentions are. Hey, do you, do you want to go on a date? Not do you fancy um, should we go to, to grab something to eat? Yeah, sure. And then maybe we'll catch a film and maybe then you'll be my girlfriend. Like uh, I was much clearer uh, in the future. And what you say about the, uh, the, the wait the waitress who sort of like spotted you and thought maybe she you know you guys were on a date. I, I, um, around about the age of 25 when I came back from university. I had a lot of catching up to do with, with girl mates, a, a lot of girlfriends who hadn't come to see me at, at uni. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and there's a certain area where, where I come from, which is like a, a lot of people take people for dates in this sort of like leisure complex, as it were. And three days on the bounce, I caught up with three of my different girlmates at the same place, <laughs> which was like a bar slash restaurant. And, and they were friends. They, there was the, there was nothing going on between any of them. It wasn't this weird friend zone thing, or ever. These were just straight girlfriends of mine, girl mates. And there was a bartender who obviously had worked the same shift those three days in you a row. And the evils, the scows, I was getting off the bartender because I think they thought I was just <laughs> repeatedly taking new girls on dates, who I clearly had quite a strong connection with because I'd known them for ten years. Um, and on the third day, I went up, I literally had to go up and explain myself. <laughs> I just felt that. I just had to say, look, these are my friends. I know it's the third day, but it's just convenient for me to catch up here. Uh, yeah, so it's quite funny what impressions you can set. Also, up. I'd love like, to know
1: what they would have thought of that. Like, are you a player or not? Because on one hand, you seem to be really connecting with these women. And on the other <laughs> hand, you're taking them all to the same spot. And it feels that could seem very lazy.
2: You well, yeah. Do, do, do you
1: watch many uh, dating programs and shows? Um, I don't really. I think I, I mean, my Netflix seems to know me quite well. It sends me, among other things, like a lot of documentaries, a lot of comedy, but particularly a lot of the kind of teen romance stuff. We're talking like Riverdale, like various films. Um, yeah. And so I think I watch a lot of that stuff. I think the the fantasy stuff. I yeah. prefer than the reality, yeah. which I don't know yeah. what that says about me. So, like uh, f- watching first dates, excruciating. Can't do it. Too awkward. Too awkward. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. There's um because when you said about the. the, the uh, people being players and whatnot i, I can't remember what dating show because my girlfriend's fascinated by them mm. and uh, and i'm a, i'm a, a little like you so i, I prefer fantasy and science fiction and, and horror so we have to be careful what accounts we're using on netflix because she's <laughs> like don't fuck up my algorithm it's <laughs> <laughs> um and uh but when when i do watch them with her i can't remember what one it was but it it was it showed that the guys who were particularly good at um, who were self self sort of like confessed players, they just had a very one note approach to what they said to women and it was very much a very like it was it was just they'd obviously found something that works and probably they didn't really realise some of them anyway, like quite how bad they were at womanizing. Mm. Because they'd figured out certain things that they could say that would get buy in from their from this uh person they were dating it was it was it was really tragic but uh f- fascinating to watch as well um what what have you got for your number four Bobby
1: uh sure uh so this one um, you might be noticing a bit of a theme here actually for some of my dating um I asked a colleague so I was working at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival uh which I, I do every few years and I asked a colleague uh to come see a show with me and again, bear in mind what I said, like, spend a lot of time with friends one-on-one, like, grew up in, like, a co you know, schooling, always having female friends. I didn't think anything of it. She's really hot and very cool and very funny. And so in hindsight, I'm like, maybe you should have been asking her on a date. Anyway, <laughs> I realised, <laughs> um, funnily enough, her changing to, after work to come to it with me didn't, didn't spark anything. But when we were about halfway through, we'd seen the show and then we were having a drink afterwards. Then I realised, oh, she thinks this is a date. Um, The problem was it was kind of, it felt too late. So even though I was like, oh, this this is an opportunity here, I've ended up on a date that I do want to be on and I didn't even actually have to consciously do anything. Uh, But it was too late because I was already in my head and it was too far gone for me to like change my behaviour. So I think she just found it, quite like disappointing and hopefully she doesn't know do you know what i mean i, I in yeah. fact i don't know what i hope she knows but she might just think i was interested and then i spent time with her and suddenly wasn't which terrifying. maybe that's
2: it maybe you know maybe she maybe she's sight, like, like analyzing that post date where did i go wrong what did i say <laughs>
1: maybe she's on another <laughs> podcast now <laughs> still talking about
2: it <laughs> Or, or a leather sofa, trying to figure it out. Oh,
1: that's, um, a, that's a not fun thought to have. <laughs> <Live>.
2: <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's such a messy, difficult world. The, mm-hmm. the realm of dating, and, and and what what thoughts we have in our head, and and what people know of where we are at in our heads, can be can be so disjointed sometimes. And so sometimes it's difficult to know that. Or as you say, if you if you're keen to you build close relationships with people that can be a i guess a um a repercussion of that and maybe people get led into believing that and, you, and your nature is just one that wants like a, a intimacy and friendship and yeah maybe that led her down that road but um it's never too late bobby it's never too late <laughs> um, I, I don't know what i'd do in that would, would have done in that situation myself I very rarely think that I've been in that situation where I think they're the ones who think it's a date. I think sometimes it's always been me. It's like, I think this might be a date. I think I might have a date. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health
0: insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question?
2: So do you are you still friends with this person now or uh
1: no, we sort of lost contact. I mean not not on purpose, it's just very much the nature no. of like working at a festival for a month with somebody. You you don't tend to end up staying yeah. in touch with most of them even though you mean yeah. to. Um yeah. but yeah, it's I mean the, the the I guess tragic part of it is the point that which I realized was her telling me about like Oh, normally guys find me a bit off-putting because of this, and I think a lot of it came down to the fact that she owned a property, and I can't remember how she'd come by it. If it was a wizard, if she'd inherited it, but she was, you know, pretty young to to have a not have a mortgage, put it that way. Um, and she said a lot of guys find that really intimidating, and so I'm not the kind of guy that would. I'm like, you know, if you come with a house, <laughs> that I'm not going to complain. <laughs> like um, you know, and I'm not saying necessarily I'm going to move in straight away, but equally if we find somewhere else, that's rent money for you. Like I I I don't know yeah. how I would see that as a bad thing. Um, but I think a lot of the time um and maybe men are a little bit worse for this sometimes we we compare ourselves. Um, yeah. In terms of logistics, maybe women are encouraged more to compare on appearance. Um, yeah, and so yeah, that, so that's the, part of the kicker of it. Of like, oh god, I hope she doesn't think her bringing that up is what put me off. Yeah, but, but like you say, it's just so nuanced, and so nobody really knows what they're fucking doing. <laughs> like that's been quite <laughs> I, reassuring I think, from right. starting the podcast. I'm like, I thought I was really messy. I think I'm just aware of my messiness and everyone else is pushing it down and ignoring it. That's sort of what I feel
2: like now. I think, I think in the knowledge of that, there's a, a way of growing and, mm. and, and helping, learning how to be kinder. Because I think dating isn't just about being kind to yourself. It is about treating that other person with respect and, 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 and learning, navigating that. And I think if you have that self-awareness and critique, it's a balance in that because you don't want to become so neurotic about it that you can't go on dates and you get upset by it. But at the same time, learning from it and thinking, well, what, what did I do there? And how would that have been perceived by the other person? I think is really important um, to, Good. To, to make that happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Good sure. to know. And, yeah, I mean, that's something we talked about on the podcast recently because I'm more of a, a thinking-type person. And I'm very into the like Myers-Briggs personality types and I'm, like, score very high on thinking rather than being more feeling. And obviously I do feel, but that's, like, your kind of approach to life and decision-making and stuff. Um, and I think one of the things that can lead me to is, like you say, a lot of that analysis, which can be quite helpful, uh, but can sound quite intense if you say it out loud. So, like, I think yeah. I have a lot of... Um, things I'm thinking about on a date of how to come across and if I said all of that I would sound fully out of my mind (laughs) so instead I'm just there trying to not ask too many questions not be too intense like I, I mean one thing I'm I very commonly do is I I'm very good at getting the other person to talk about themselves I'm very good at getting to know them and then I've I'm trying to get better at also talking about me more and I think being a podcast interviewer does not make that easier
2: no because you as you say you're good at getting people to talk Mm. (laughs) so So they they also need to get to know me yeah yeah completely yeah completely I think there's so many things to pick up on there I mean even going back to the sort of intimidate like how guys might feel intimidated I've I've seen that I have Mm. seen People feel intimidated. My my niece, in fact, um, she uh, is, she's quite young to be as successful as she is. She's, like, very, very successful in, 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 in the business world. And she's petrified by it. And she's like, I don't want guys to feel um, intimidated by that or put off. And I'm like, unfortunately, Sophie, you don't have any influence on the decisions of other people. And, you know, really, are they the kind of guys that you want to get with because uh, ultimately it's a it's a it, there's a lot of that that comes with you know exactly how, how you said earlier what guys might more have a propensity to feel and what women might judge each other by it, which is like part nature part uh, society and how we've been brought up but there is a degree of you know that's still driven also by an insecurity there and if the other part, if your partner can't manage that insecurity, then it's just going to be a miserable relationship anyway. So, you know, for me, I find it endlessly attra- attractive to to see a person succeeding and being happy at what they do, mm. um, and and hopefully that positivity that I have will draw positive people towards me. And I don't want to be, I wouldn't want to be critical of others in, in that way, or insecure of how someone else is how well someone else is getting on. So. But yeah, very, very fascinating.
1: Yeah. And if I may, before three, if I may pick up on that, actually, I I think that's such a good point. And the thing that is frustrating about it is that's not your niece's fault. You know, that is that is an issue that is broader and is societal. And it's not it's not the fault of any of the men either. Like it's something that's broader, that's put on us. The men have a certain responsibility to try and get out of that mindset. Um, but yeah, that's it's a difficult thing to wrap your head around, and there's a very much a like mental health power that I often talk about with, with stigma, that um, my podcast is all about battling the mental health stigma. And with that, it can be so easy when this kind of discrimination and these harmful stereotypes of mental health and this lack of understanding is what so much of it comes down to, can make you feel that for having mental ill health, there is something fundamentally wrong with who you are, that it is a personality, or like an identity, or a competence problem, and that is very much unfortunately how a lot of people think, and so it can be very difficult, particularly when you're at your worst, to have the the understanding, to have the self-belief that the world is out of step, not you that the stigma is a yeah. societal problem and actually you're just trying to overcome something in in the same way everybody does in different ways. You know
2: Bobby. <laughs> there
1: you go, there's my motivational bit.
2: No, I do, no, I, I think that's fascinating. So how do you like if you was the, how do you see mental health like, Can You caption it in a, like I, I people I think a lot of times people yeah, they give it this weird stigma. And, but you don't give stigma to a broken arm. It's the the, the simple cliche one. Right, it's like yeah. if someone breaks their arm, it's broken, and everyone's like, okay, well you broke it. Something happened and it broke, and and we can visibly see how to fix it, and no one panics over it. But with mental health, it is so much harder to put your finger on any of it because like we say like how messy is dating how messy are, are human mm. beings we are and and i think we blame everyone and we get angry at each other for so many of these behaviors where there is individual agency but there's also many things happening in your mind at once from events that happen to you as a kid that you don't you're not even consciously aware that affects your behavior now and And so it's so hard to to put your finger on it with mental health, and I think everyone's scared of it or they don't have the um like you almost become apathetic because it's sometimes so difficult to find that source it's like well I've got to stop caring about it really, or i'm scared of it because I don't know how to solve it and um yeah it's a it's a it's a tricky subject but to to think that I could never articulate it as well, as well as you did there Bobby, but to think that um it's somehow your fault entirely and it's and, and 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 that it's you that's got the problem and it's actually not it's our perception of how we deal with mental health and that it's it's just a it's a thing that affects us all to to one extent or another i've not met one human being i don't think i wouldn't say has some some sort of struggle at some point or another and those struggles change I certainly i can speak for myself on on that uh you know from definitely
1: Right. And, so, um, yeah. And and I would cool. add to that, actually, that I think in, in some ways it goes even further because of the stigma, because not only do we easily contemplate a broken arm, you know, it's, it doesn't bear thinking about less alone stigmatising. Um, we also yeah. know how to react to that. You know, I grew up like I think we all did where someone had a cast at school and people literally run to sign the cast and ask them if they're OK and ask them if it hurts and how long is it on for? You know, all of these things. And we, we simply don't know how to react to mental health. So as much as I rail against the stigma and the stigma actively annoys me and I'm open about that, that I'm aware that the problem is is so much kind of at the source of the lack of understanding and that's why my campaigning work is around mental health education so that kids can learn from a young age that it is something to okay to talk about yeah that we all have these feelings that we should all have a certain amount of empathy because ultimately there's so much crossover you know maybe we can't relate to certain mental illnesses but a lot of the symptoms we actually probably can to a degree the individual parts of it and I think with more understanding like that, so much of the stigma just won't be built into us because it's coming from somewhere, right? And and so that's the stuff I'm really keen to not even just have unlearned, just have not taught in the first place. And yeah. you know, hopefully, we're we're getting to that place because it's it's very much needed and you asked me about how I would define mental health, my kind of thoughts on it. And, you know, I very much do look at it in that kind of spectrum mentality. And actually the more I do my podcast, the more I've come to look at it um, as such a natural thing that in the way you described the broken arm, you're, you know, a certain amount of pressure on your arm from an injury and it breaks and it's, you know, and it has that ability to heal and that's how it works. And I don't know what the the alternative would be. Does your, does your arm shatter? I, but, but, you know, what I mean, that system broadly yeah. works and people get better. And I've come to see mental health very much the same. That at a certain level of trauma or pressure or stress, whatever it is, cracks will start to appear. There will be a reaction to that in your struggling to cope. Can be illness in itself. But yeah. that is you trying to overcome it you know and like we often talk about certain conditions like ptsd being maybe the clearest example of that that you you cannot comprehend what happened to you your brain cannot wrap itself around it and so something just misfires and you start having these symptoms off the back of that but that is you struggling to cope that is not you being broken yeah and so you can then find your way out of that
2: yeah absolutely uh, yeah um it's you, you said a point earlier as well about you know what, when someone's broke their arm and they've got it in a cast and people run run to help and it's kind of a metaphor for for how we do that and how we might not react to that when, when people have mental health issues because some mental some when that point happens in your mind whatever it is whatever events it is <clears throat> it can Calls behaviours that make you very difficult to like or want to help <laughs> and other human beings around you you can see it as they're a bit of an asshole. they're always screaming what one of the jobs i do is is a lot of um is a lot of work with people who have to negotiate on phone calls uh, mm-hmm. with extremely distressed people and i mean extremely distressed i'm, I'm uh, sort of like threats of suicide and and and, and, things like that. and um, at first, it's sometimes when you when you train people in this, they they kind of keep reacting to the like, what's being said to them, because that's the face value of the the human being. They and they're not they're only seeing the tip of the iceberg of that person's personality, which is sometimes an intolerable bastard. But it's like trying to figure out what what's happening that is making is is causing that behaviour, and that's that takes some time. But the, the, the thing to do is be mindful that that person might not be, they might not just be an intolerable bastard. That might just be you on another day. And because I know I've been that person, that, you know, I, I sit there and I think, oh, wow, I really sort of like flew off the rails there and that wasn't my finest moment. But also, <clears throat> you know, looking at the scenario I was in at that time, I kind of can understand my behavior now much better. And I think if you, if you are aware that people shouting, screaming, acting like they are, isn't always an indication of just their personality. It can be an accumulation of things that are happening. Then you can have more compassion and more empathy to want to help and assist. But that's so much harder to identify than someone who's just broken their arm. And, and hence why your podcast and why talking about med, mental health is uh, you know, so important now. So shall we talk about a wonderful dating experience <laughs> have you got your number
1: three uh, we'll see about wonderful <laughs> uh so this I, i've tried to make them kind of link somewhat so the next one also from uh the fringe festival but i think it was a different time um so this time i did know it was a date so good <laughs> better start and uh went out with this guy i worked with and we'd like got to know each other a little bit we were there, there seemed to be some chemistry there and we uh, we went out for a meal and that was all nice and straightforward. Um, and yeah, it was good. We had a good chat. I think um, it was a bit of an example of uh, I, I'm trying to find a different word for intimidating because I think that sounds uh, scarier than maybe it is. But I think people can be quite intimidated by me when they meet me and it's not like me i mean i'm a tall guy but i'm not a big guy it's not that kind of thing it's um more so like certain things i'll talk about that i'm very good at talking about the confidence the um i think you know doing a bit of modeling the way i hold myself i come across as someone very self-assured and successful irrespective of the situation, plenty of times I go into something new, like podcasting, when I started and I didn't know what I was doing. And people often will sort of go along with that and think I know what I'm doing. And, uh, and so this was a bit of an example of where I could tell he was quite nervous. And I was probably part of the reason that he felt he had to like have really good answers for questions and stuff. And, and I don't really care that much. You know, I'm not I'm not actually analysing you in that way yeah, when yeah. it comes down to it. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so I think it was a bit of one of those, or at least I thought so at the time, because then he ignored me. We went back to work and we did some shifts together, most of them not. Um, and yeah, it just was very clear that he wasn't talking to me at all, other than maybe like hellos and goodbyes. And this was really weird, and I wasn't going to bring it up in the workplace and be like, what's going on? You're not being yeah, as nice yeah. as you were the other day. Um, and, you know, was not was responding to text, but not really. And I just got the impression that it was just all very shut down and thought, okay, well, that's the end of that. And I was a bit hurt by it because I would have gone on another date um, yeah. and, you know, see early days, but see if it went anywhere. Um and then fast forward to the end of the festival and as often happens at the staff party, which is like the night of the end or a few nights before or whatever, um, people have a lot to drink and, and secrets start to come out. um, And me as a non-drinker and possibly also the mental health work I do I often end up being the one where when someone's in tears and a bit too drunk yeah. I'm the one talking to them through yeah. whatever crisis is going on um and often it's it's trivial but it's big because of alcohol um and sure. so he was uh, ended up being my second person of the night. I was having one of those chats with. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the other one was, I, th- I think she was in a long distance relationship and it was just really getting to her. And so she was really upset. And then, and then he was upset and it turned out to be something to do with his home life. But suddenly was, we were sat outside. He was upset. We were talking at length and I was like, Oh, I guess we're, we do talk again now. So, Anyway, he once he's sort of, uh, I've calmed him down a bit and he's feeling a bit better, then he says that, this big apology to me of like, I know I've been ignoring you. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's not in my head. Good. <laughs> and, you know, this is the reason why. And he phrased it very politely. But ultimately, I walked away from it thinking, what he's just said comes down to this. He's Mainly dated women. He's dated one man who was abusive and controlling, and apparently, I remind him a bit of him, uh, yeah. which is not a, is not a fun thing to hear. Um, no, no. Particularly when I was confused about the situation anyway, and we'd had a big like work night out, and then I'm like walking away, <laughs> walking home, thinking that. And I think the way I've maybe this is me rationalising it, but you know, I think for his experience, he only had one other guy he dated to compare me to. Yeah. Um, right. And also, um, from the way he described him, there was crossover on the good traits, unfortunately. So that guy yes. was also yeah. very confident and self-assured and used to being in charge, which I am. But that guy was using it nefariously, whereas I use yes. it to try and destigmatize mental health and do productive things. Um, yeah. And, yeah, but... Obviously, at the time, I was like, "Ah, that's what. What do I do with that information?"
2: No, no good deed goes unpunished, and you listening to him ends up him. Basically, making like, you feel like you're a tyrant. Oh, right, okay. So that's your impression of me. That's that's a really difficult thing. That and and it's so prevalent in. Uh, and the thing is, thing, just sorry,
1: just to be clear, he did say he didn't think I was like that. You know, he wasn't right, saying I right, stopped right. speaking to you because of that. I stopped speaking to you because the reminding of that X was too much to kind of get yeah. past.
2: Right, okay, okay. There's, yeah, that's di- that is different, but it still doesn't make you <laughs> so like. Ah, oh, but I'm not. <laughs> we could we could have something that's um that's tricky i i think um people call people always people bring their previous relationships mm-hmm. into the, their next their next experience and um it's un- obviously understandable because that's what part of human nature is isn't it is to learn if you if you was to go out and eat a berry and it was poisonous you'd you'd want to not eat that berry again right in <laughs> its most sim- so. simplest of terms but yeah but <laughs> People do that so often with dating. Um, My my girlfriend was so, my girlfriend now, we've been together two and a half years, which for me, um, Bobby, like yourself, I am very happy being single. I have no urge to be with a partner. I've always been very happy. I'm pretty much, my brother's 18 years older than me, so I was effectively an only child. And I'm just all right with myself. Um, But my current partner, I've been with her for over two and a half years now. But when we started, she, had just been on like, her dating history was just difficult relationships people who and she she would sometimes treat me in a way that I, I guarded not wrong not in a in a rude way but she was so overly guarded it was such a strange thing to have to help work with and I'd never blame her for that and or, or, or treat her any differently I just. I guess my best thing would be to kill her with kindness and just like, think my actions will dictate who I am ultimately. It's not what I say to her. Like, Trust me doesn't really help anyone. Behaving in a way that you know, would make a, a person think that you're trustworthy is, is what you need to do, is show your actions. So that's what I always did. But it took really a long time to, to my girlfriend for her to realise that actually there are people out there who aren't here to manipulate or abuse you or, or, or lie but definitely that's all you've had. It's very difficult to sail away from it. But then again, one experience, to have one and then paint every, potentially worry that that's going to be every relationship that you have is just not going to be healthy for, for yourself to do that. So.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. There was obviously something there that he still needed to work through. And, you know, that's OK. Like, I, as much as at the time it wasn't great... Uh, I do understand that you know that is life and, and people move at different speeds and you know 100% I wouldn't knowing that information I was obviously going to back right off anyway I wasn't going to be like no no I'll be different and, and try and force anything of course not um you know he clearly had stuff to work through and, and other stuff going on stressful in his life anyway so um yeah it it was what it was um but yeah a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a weird takeaway
2: yeah absolutely what do do you what do you feel do you ever like cuz you 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 explain what how you potentially think that people might perceive you um in, and how that sometimes can make people feel maybe slightly intimidated or or, or yeah, something like kind that. of like that yeah not not like not not yeah not like um intimidated in a sort of physical way but in how human beings are they they can feel nervous as you say have you got any sort of ways that you try to help people um feel at ease uh with you Is you've got any strategies with that or do you just sort of like be yourself and oh yeah I do
1: definitely I mean I think I've I've worked a lot on my confidence and people uh if they listen to my mental health show they'll know that I have a eating disorder um and I have depression and so a lot of building confidence for me was survival was you know how bad I was at various points where I needed to be my own ally because if I didn't I don't know how much further down I would have gone with yeah. those things yeah. and so it's sort of hard fought for, and I think when it is, um, it, you know, these things that you work on a lot do become such a part of who you are. So I can't turn it off. I can't pretend to not be confident because even that I'll somehow come across as like confidently shy. Do you know what I mean? The self assuredness will still come out there, and it and actually like I do get insecure. I do have difficult days. All of these things go up and down, but you know that is I I know that that is how I come across broadly. And so I am very aware of it, particularly with dating. I'm aware that most people are nervous going on a date. I love going on dates. Sometimes I'm nervous, but most of the time I'm more so excited. But I'm also like that about like job interviews, like the amount of interviewers where they're like, how are you doing today? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really excited to be here. And they look surprised because everyone else has said terrified or nervous. Um, So that's very much how I am. And that's also a big part of what, people are attracted to of me as well so swings and roundabouts but I guess particularly with dating I do try and watch you know the conversational power you know don't ask too many questions just because they mention something kind of sensitive and my uh kind of caring um Approach would be to say, oh, that that sounds tough, tell me more about it, (laughs) you know. Uh, Appropriate on the Mental Health Podcast, not appropriate on a first date. So so trying to kind (laughs) of rein back some of those things. um, And equally, um, I I think it's one of those things you've still got to come across as who you are. You know, I'm still like quite an opinionated person. I'm not going to pretend that's not true. You know, if, if we talk about politics... I'm not going to pretend I have no opinion on politics, <laughs> like, but there are yeah. equally ways where I can be like, okay, don't, don't go on a rant about it. Uh, don't, you know, don't talk too much. I mean, a lot of it is just that simple. It's like power comes in how much each of you speak at times. Um, yeah. That's a kind of roundabout thing as opposed to a specific list of tips. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so,
2: um... It's I, I I I I often come across as confident, and sometimes I'm terrified. But I I I I don't know. That's just that's in my nature as well. Mm. So I, I I will often self-deprecate. I guess to 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 make people feel more at ease with me, because um, I think if I do that, people tend to think oh, I'm not going to be attacking them if I f- first met them. Um, but you, you also said about. You know, obviously, uh, eating disorders and, and suffering from depression, and and how how has that affected? So in the modern day in dating, do you use things much like? Do you use Tinder or any other apps like that?
1: And uh, yeah, so Tinder and Hinge are the Am I too? I've also done a bit of Bumble in the past. Um, yeah, so I'm yeah, allowed... I I do them. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
2: uh, how does how does sort of like? sort of depression how's that intertwined with these sort of these these, these dating apps do you find that there's how does it work do you you manage it effectively
1: yeah i mean that's the thing i'm i'm very kind of anti a binary idea of recovery that you somehow get fixed of your mental health and actually even if you're somebody that that feels that has been your experience you know there are certain conditions uh, like postnatal depression is often used as an example where there can be a sort of aging out of that experience where you know the situation changes and for many people that can be enough for the mental health side of it to change but I I think it's dangerous to look at things that way even if that is the case because Uh. the the positive proactive approach to your mental health benefits everyone anyway. So, you know, I think it's it should always be a journey where you're trying to look out for yourself better, basically. And so for the most part, you know, I'm I'm pretty good and stable, but I think a lot of that is I'm good at recognizing what my early warning signs are. Um and you know forgiving myself ultimately. There can be so much judgment, again coming back to the stigma that can come from struggling with your mental health so much self-judgment so much internalized stigma and so with depression for example there are days where I'm just not going to be as productive and I work hard to be kinder to myself about that as opposed to working hard to force myself because I don't really know if that works anyway and so for like dating apps particularly um you know that communication style i'm not really a big kind of messenger anyway uh on on a bad day that feels quite overwhelming and very exhausting and on a good day i can talk to to someone on a dating app and then also be you know talking to various friends at the same time and i can do that level of communication um so yeah so that really varies but it's something that is um has been helped I guess in a broader sense by being active in mental health work that now I've gone so much from a place of not even realising how much I'd internalised the stigma really until I started podcasting about it and realising how much I had to unpick and was judging myself for to then fast forward to now I, I never am in a situation where I don't think it's relevant You know, I I see that there should be no holding back of talking about these things, but obviously there's levels. And so I will quite freely, you know, mention something on a date, but, you know, obviously early on, I just won't go into any depth.
2: I think there's there's something about not... I've got friends who are, who are, um, say, they kind of haven't been... They haven't found the right person yet, and they struggle to get past date one or two. Mm. And they're, they're 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 sort of you know forty, you know they're they're, they're sort of my age, and and um, they they often say, well, I just wear my heart on my sleeve, and um, and I think I'm a, quite a transparent guy. I think unfortunately, Stu and the likes of Pip would all would all say that about me, um, mm. and probably too too transparent. But I think. I've 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 learned how on dates not to like you say not to go human beings probably don't want everything in their first 8 hours interaction with you and and I think there's a lot to be said for 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 not saying so much and you say listening and, and 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 slowly getting to know each other you don't need to put everything out there on the first day and I don't think that's being duplicitous either. I don't think it's meaning you're trying to mislead someone into thinking you are someone you're not. It's just about you know take, taking your time to to get to know someone and, and and for them to get to know you. I think that's that's perfect perfectly a healthy way of doing it. And I think when I've sort of like been a bit too full on anyway in any of that scenarios, it's just putting the other person off. And I, I completely there's no blame there. I completely understand why why people would w- would be put off by that. I think you've got, to get, you've got to get to know a variety of a person's mannerisms and personality traits first to decide if that's someone actually that you want to stick around for and fight for. And then, like, when, you then de- when, you, when you do start discussing these other matters, then it's, it's, it's something that you're like an ally, you're unified to want to work towards and be like, well, that's okay, come on, that's, that's no problem. Let's, let's talk about them. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: No, I, on, I agree sorry, with I that. Thinking. And I think it's something that is, is so relevant for dating. You know, we've talked a little bit about relationships and, you know, bringing, you can bring baggage from previous or if you work on it, and, and sometimes that is mental health support as well, or counselling, love counselling, um, You you can have that baggage or you can make it into learning. And sometimes that takes a bit of outside support. Sometimes that takes a lot of time. I'd say usually it takes time. Um, but it's equally, like you say, true with dating. There's a, there's an element of practice that goes into it. It's like any other kind of skill, you know. You wouldn't expect to be good at your first interview. And and in many ways, this can feel like even more pressure. And so I I think that's really key that, you know, just because you've had a bad experience, don't let that taint you. You know, particularly uh, mental health is a good example. If somebody had a stigmatising attitude when you mentioned something, well, they're not the person for you and they don't deserve you either. So move on, there'll be somebody else and you know what, good, you ruled them out early. I'd much rather that than I pretended to not have these certain issues and then we found out further down the line when I was already even more invested in them. So whilst it can feel like more rejection it's it's lesser rejection you know and that fear of rejection can lead people down all kinds of strange paths so i think yes. going on more dates is one way to kind of lessen that uh strong reaction you might have to it
2: yeah because you don't become reliant on oh i've lost you there bobby oh, you bet you don't um you don't become reliant on you, you you're not... All your hopes on on just one individual, which isn't fair anyway, and 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 also your happiness shouldn't be pinned on them anyway. So I think it's a, it's a dangerous thing to do that, especially in dating. To think that I've I've seen friends who they're they're, they're seeking the the, the, the the a partner to resolve the, the reasons why they don't feel happy, and I think that's unfair on them and the person they're trying to date as well. I think it can it can be quite um, difficult but at the same time it's an ongoing thing mental health you can't just be like okay i'm not feeling too great that means i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put myself out there it's just how how you how you do that and i think what you said there as well is you you, you want some you need to know who you're who you're um considering holding a relationship with and they need they need to know you and you need to know what their sort of reaction is relatively soon on on, on these sort of um things because well if they if, if you overspend too much time with someone who you're desperate to seek approval from even though they're kind of not that interested it's not healthy for you and if you spend so much time in that company of idiots who's the idiot <laughs> like you know it'd be difficult to determine you from them Um, if you constantly waste your time with
1: that so yeah yeah and and that's the thing it may sound harsh but what it is is oppressive you are oppressing yourself potentially to try and seem likeable and that's you know that's really dangerous and also you don't in most cases know the person well enough to do that you know you don't know enough about them to be their ideal partner so you're better off just trying to be the best ideal
2: you well said, sir. Well said.
1: <laughs> oh, I, well, love, well, <laughs> I love being quotable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your number two, mate? Number two. Yeah. Um, all right. So this one relates a little bit to modelling, which is a, a sideline of mine. And so someone I knew from for a little while from my agency, uh, we had a photo shoot with a wedding photographer, um looking to i think try out a few techniques i can't quite remember and like different locations and basically just kind of add add something new to his portfolio and w- that meant that we uh, got fake married essentially we we had a wedding photo shoot <laughs> together and like we were friends anyway you know it wasn't awkward um but I don't know whether it's you know being dressed up like that. It's, I mean, obviously, modelling—it's quite a tactile industry at times. It's anyway, right. um, we we got on. Uh, we had you know great time together. It was just us and the the photographer. But I think there may have also been an element of people kept coming up to us. This was like central Manchester, and congratulating us for the for getting <laughs> married and it's very surreal and we just like without I think even acknowledging like the decision we both just automatically went along with that and so that was quite fun we're just so grateful to the public and you know it was a fun day and so we ended up going for a drink afterwards and you know I did feel there was a bit of a spark there and you know we we didn't know each other that well and so she sort of seemed to say something similar that oh you know I feel I saw a whole different side of you today. Like, you I think we'd be really compatible, blah, blah, blah. And maybe that honesty came out of the fact that we just got fake married. Um, The catch was, and this one, this uh, number two is very much on me. The combination of all of this and the fact that we did seem to genuinely have a real spark, I think felt too much pressure for me. Like everything had just kind of fitted together. And then suddenly I'm on a date with this person. We already feel 10 times more intimate than we did that morning. Um, we've gone through this funny experience together um, and been fake married. And then I, we were going to go on another date. And I think I just put off organising it because it all felt yep. quite daunting. I think I walked away from it being like, oh, this is incredible. And then I thought on it more and I was like, oh, this is quite a lot. And, you know, I, I guess that comes down to like what we were saying about levels, <laughs> you know, for what was actually a first date. That was a lot. We wouldn't normally be yeah. talking about marriage. wed, we, Yeah, marriage. we wouldn't be talking yeah. weddings all day and what we'd like to wear and you know, all these different details. We were talking about like kids and all sorts going on um that normally you wouldn't talk about so soon and yeah I think it was just it was a lot and so I put it off and then it was a bit too late and so we still sometimes saw each other but we didn't really (laughs) ever go from there
2: it didn't it didn't kick off what um what felt too much what what was can you describe the sort of the feelings that you had that stopped you sending that next message to say, Look, what you're doing, what you're up to?
1: I think, if I'm really honest about it, I mean, it's definitely a combination of things, but what probably a lot of it comes down to for me was maybe it was such a kind of little whirlwind of a day that it didn't quite feel real. And indeed, <laughs> certainly from what the public thought was happening, it wasn't real uh, what it looked like. And so I think it, probably a lot of it was that, that maybe in my head I thought maybe this is good, too good to be true, that we both got caught up in the moment and I wasn't really sure how I felt about everything and I didn't know if I could kind of trust the situation. And so I think that was the sort of thing where I was mulling that over in my head But equally, I wasn't going to text her and be like, so was that, like, a real date? Like, how are we feeling? What's the temperature check? Are we getting married? I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, so I think it was that sort of thing. And then it sort of got to the point where it was a bit too long, and I thought she probably thinks I've lost interest. And we, like, then when we did start... I mean, we we talked a little bit, but we just never organised the date. And so it sort of then just slipped right back into friendship.
2: Yeah. Do you... Did you aside from the, the friendship did you really think like that objectively now looking at that do you think she could have been a great match and that could have gone somewhere
1: i do yeah it's, it's i don't have many regrets in life but that's near mm. to a regret that's whatever's yeah. won down um yeah but but then i don't know you know it could have we could have gone on a, a second date and it might have felt like too much pressure um and it might have fizzled out anyway so on paper yeah, she's brilliant, but, you know, you never know complicated, nuanced humans.
2: Of course, of course, humans gonna human. <laughs> I, I've i been in that situation, Bobby, where any of my friends at the time were sort of like, come on, pull your finger out, mm. because you've got the, kind of got the green light there with someone that you've been pining after. And I felt overwhelmed by it. And, I, you know, there, there, there's been two or three scenarios where... it'd be difficult to describe if if someone was to describe that Chris, you're going to get an opportunity with a person you really like and you're going to do nothing about it and you're going to procrastinate. I'd be like, no, I won't do that. I know me. I'm quite gregarious and confident. And then when you're in that situation, I I found that very strange. And I've been in that situation where, yeah, something great could have happened, but because I felt overwhelmed by it, I did nothing. I just just my, my, my sort of, like, I found ways of distracting myself from just simply asking them for a second date. And, uh, like you say, is it, is, it, is it a regret? I, I don't know, really, because I'm not... It's just I couldn't forgive myself for being overwhelmed and, 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 and being sort of, like, a little bit scared, maybe, or not sure where it was going to go, fearful. Um, it's a bizarre one, that, because I, I, I had that more as a, as a youngster, where I think... Women, to me, always—they always uh, seem always better than, especially the girls that I fall for. I always feel that they're great; like they overwhelm me. I feel like they're more than my equal, and and for that reason, I find it sometimes for the girls that I really like, I find it impossible to to approach them because I, I find them so physically pretty and nice. It's too—it's too much. I'd rather I used to do like it's, all our listeners will know. Karate and fighting and all this stuff. None of that and, and, and physical sports or fi- none of that has ever terrified me. Yet sometimes the prospect of speaking to a a, a, a woman that I'm attracted to or, or um, physically, but also their personality and their response, it dwarfs anything else. It terrified me. Used to terrify me as a kid. I, I don't care now. I, I, for, for probably the last ten years, I've been very self secure and and I really don't. I'm, I'm very happy to go and talk to to anyone really any female but um, certainly as a child I found that quite intimidating as a teen and as a my early 20s yeah I guess we might be yeah go on no I
1: think you might have hit it on the head there actually I think it was one of those in a way where how do I ever live up to that first day I think that's now now you've made me think about it that way I think that's probably what a lot of it is and yeah. And sometimes things can feel a bit too perfect. And that's scary. Because I mean, you're not normally in a situation where you think, <laughs> oh, we could go on another date and then get married. Like, but that was very much the situation. And I think I'm. that's what it felt like, that level of intensity. And I think I'm quite used to like, being the most intense person in the room, or at least signing up to an intense situation. Whereas I went into it perhaps naively, not not expecting a lot of this and then it felt very much like all of it had landed on me as opposed to me like drawing it in um but i think you want to prompt me onto the number one
2: oh well actually now hmm. you said that buddy oh. <laughs> I, I think that it can because of that it can stay as that great crazy date that you had hmm. And that's a that's a fun memory. I, I think I had that with relationships as well. Like I don't ever, I rarely feel. I don't think I've ever felt bitter from a relationship ending. I've been very sad and broken, and and, and also through because of how I've been treated, like emotional abuse. But I, I feel lucky that I don't summarise and feel bitter about relationships or or, the, or those sort of events. I think there's nothing to for me to be to be gained out of it because there's always often a lot of good that happened at that point at some point in a relationship that I'm really grateful and sometimes the sweet can't be as sweet without the sour and I don't know yeah I, that's how I try to look back at relationships or even dates even my the more catastrophic ones <laughs> um yeah I, I kind of yeah. I laugh and I don't regret them no
1: i agree it's it's nice to have these funny stories in my arsenal and 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 time does that right it just kind of can rose tint things it can sort of seal things off i often say that about all sorts like my career it didn't not much of it has made sense at the time but in hindsight you can kind of find an order to things and yeah no you're right i look back on on that day and i smile and maybe it was maybe it was too perfect and so that's that was that Um, should I do the number one
2: far away?
1: Okay. Uh, also a bit related to modeling this one. So someone I met, uh, at the time I was helping train models at the agency. So get them ready for casting situations, get them ready for the kind of questions they'd be asked, uh, obviously do all the measurements so they know their, you know, height or their other measurements. um, and then also like catwalk training, like the, the, the kind of quite specific choreography that can come with a lot of that um, and a certain way to walk, which if you've ever watched a catwalk show, you'll, you'll know what I mean. Um, <laughs> and part of the training was we'd have potential models come and try out here and there. Um, and I would often be asked for kind of my assessment as well um, on that and... This one guy came along to one of them. I think he was among a few potential uh, people to sign, guys and girls at the agency, Um, and, you know, really threw himself in and and did a good job. Like our our, um, head of the agency really kind of threw them in at the deep end, as she often does, and said, "Okay, we're going to do this theme of catwalk, go. (laughs) <laughs> and sort of just sees like how this person moves how confident yeah. they can be on under pressure and that's what a lot of that industry is um you know yeah. I, I often describe it to people as uh people think it's just looking pretty and actually a lot of the time it's looking calm it's like you're in clothes that are often quite hard to move in if you're a woman you've yeah. got those horrible heels Um, and you know everything is all very strict and timed and that's not just catwalk that's all kinds of modelling and so it's kind of looking cool under pressure is what a lot of it comes down to Um, Anyway, that's a preamble because I I love talking about modelling.
2: No, it helps helps me with my future (laughs) modelling career, Bobby, so (laughs) I I appreciate the tips.
1: Um, And, uh, yeah, so ultimately he didn't end up making it into the agency. Most people don't um, for a whole number of different reasons. Um, And at this point he only knew my first name but managed to find me on social media. And I think it's possibly the only time anyone's ever slid into my DMs. Um, And initially I was quite cautious of it because, you know, we only chatted a little bit on the day, but like in group situations, when mostly me giving instructions, to be quite honest. And so I was initially quite cautious of like, maybe that's why, maybe he just says like that I met this hot model today um who seems like self-assured and like he knows what he's doing um and part of me was also like is he just trying to get an in in the industry is there an element of this why he's now yeah. chatting to me and seems interested uh in a romantic way um and for whatever reason we continued chatting and i realised no that he probably is quite interested in me even if realistically he didn't actually know me but we get to know each other a little bit better um we lived far away from each other and ultimately uh, we, I think, went on a date or two, but it didn't, there was there was no kind of progression. Sometimes these things just don't really take off and it's nobody's fault, um, but there was definitely a chemistry there. Um, fast forward again and uh, he was uh, living in this country under a visa, um, a guy from the Philippines, and ultimately the the job ended uh I can't quite remember I, it's not relevant <laughs> but for whatever reason, the job ended, and hence the visa related to the job ended and so quite quickly yeah. he had to move back and um around this time, we've been talking a bit more again um and so we were speaking on the phone, and he seemed to get quite serious and be quite nervous about talking to me, which was strange. And I sort of asked maybe a few times, like, what's going on? And eventually he said, like, oh, I've just been really thinking and and I want to propose to you. And- what? <laughs> oh, you know why it's number one now. Um, and I was so taken aback and I think my response was, what now? <laughs> As in, like, is this the proposal? Should, should a ring be dropping through a window to me? Um, and I think we just ended up having a discussion about it. And I don't think I directly said no, but I think the fact that I had so many questions and was so surprised really said something. And and then also there's the element, and I mean this in the the you know least judgmental way possible. But the timing of it was shortly after telling me about stuff with him having to to move back uh, to the Philippines and so there was that part of my brain being like, is this to do with visas? I mean, I'm Irish. I can get you, (laughs) I'm remaining a European. I can get a British and an Irish visa if you marry me. Um, (laughs) I think so anyway. Um, so the, uh, I, there was part of that and more so actually less of for me, but I think I just assume that's what a lot of people are going to say to me. Anyway, like, obviously I wasn't going to marry him. That was not on the cards. We were not in that place. Um, And yeah, it's just been a weird thing to look back on, and I don't think I'll ever have the answer to what the thought process was on the other Ow. side of that <laughs> Oh, sorry. did you want oh. that punchline?: I mean, we, we still speak sometimes, but it's, it's never stopped being weird, and uh, we no longer live in the same country, um, and so that you know it was tricky the long distance element anyway, so it certainly won't be any easier now.
2: No, absolutely not. I I'm just jealous that you got proposed to, Bobby. I think, just take it, take it for that. Yeah. You don't you don't need to know if it was for visas. You just say, like, oh, I've been proposed to. I'm, I'm just that's the
1: it. best person. That is the only logical conclusion.
2: <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, you, you'd overwhel- overwhelmed his senses. And yeah, he's just like, I just feel before I go, I've got to propose. I've never had a proposal. Um, how did, So, he, so he went back. Mm. and and you just kind of you question what now how did that conversation kind of end then did he sort of like did he say yeah now or did you have to give an official no or i
1: i don't think i did give an official no i think i just kept asking questions <laughs> and um and i think we ended up just talking about like you know because he was uh, getting ready to to pack up and move basically so i think we ended up sort of switching into talking about that and i think maybe that sort of gave enough of a hint of like
0: yeah uh you know
2: that, I'll, I'll miss you sort of <laughs> end of the conversation <laughs> um what uh, what sort of a travel bag are you going to be taking okay that's that's a note then uh let's get your bag packed a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah could you imagine be that would have I'm been sure
1: the, the bad reaction be like i'm gonna help you pack that's it if i'd said that <laughs> get you gone (laughs)
2: have you had any other proposals or is that the uh
1: is that the only one oh well i mean this might link a little bit to some of your experience i have uh with a ex-girlfriend of mine uh which was uh unfortunately my longest term relationship um but also the abusive or okay there's maybe one other but really the abusive relationship i've been in Mm. Um, and so she proposed to me many times with different levels of uh, seriousness, but yeah, yeah. a significant pro- proportion of them were obvious, like, manipulation tactics. Um, and...
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously, I can see a lot of this in hindsight, but at the time, I did hindsight. not realise how codependent I was and how much she was encouraging that. And so... Yeah you know, would be really horrible at some times and then would kind of pull the rug out from under me of being like, oh, well, I can't even remember an example off the top of my head, but like that thing we were going to do together or like maybe that holiday we were going to go on or that meal with your family or whatever, I'm suddenly not going to go on that. And that would at the time feel like my world was falling down because I was so in this and she'd encouraged me to like, she'd encouraged me to like separate from my friends and give me kind of misinformation about what they all thought of me and so I was very isolated in the relationship and so in hindsight I don't trust actually that any of those were real proposals because it wasn't it wasn't a good relationship it's certainly not proposals I would have wanted and I think at the time part of me knew that as much as I was in it and I was thinking like you know her cancelling coming from me or with my family was a massive thing because she'd convinced me that my family really disliked me but they liked me more because of her and stuff like this um, because of all of that I think I obviously somewhere in my my uh, messied brain knew this is not a safe space to make your married bed.
2: Yeah definitely Yeah. You put, thank, thankfully you had you know the wisdom at some point to sort of pull, steer away, but when you're in it, you lose a lot of your frame of reference for what is normal and how you think. And that controlling, manipulative behaviour is quite, uh, quite terrifying. Um, yeah. Yeah, they, they, I think there's themes there that I can empathise with, and you know, I've, I've shared, Bobby. Unfortunately, um, Is that I, I will say this:
1: we do top five yeah, ex- you ex- exactly. It, so that would be yeah, a, a exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> top five gaslighting. Um, but but my, my, uh, my 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 covering girlfriend has proposed it, I think three or four times to me now, and um, you have been proposed to. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> but it's it's, in a, it's it's obviously in a joking fashion. But also, I, I just love obvious. it when she I says it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I I love it when she says it because she gets embarrassed. Because my, my, my girlfriend has no like. Uh, I'm a bit like this. I don't have a great filter from mm. what, what, what I'm thinking to what comes out. And um, but also, she's got quite a, a bit like a butterfly mind. She has these sort of like fleeting silly notions. And uh, just says she says the craziest things to me all the time, which I love. I think it's wonderful. Like you know, just all her fun liners. Like I, 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 I content, having a book put together of just the wonderful sentences that come out of my girlfriend's mouth every day. It's just, it's the best. She's the best. And uh, and I think that when she proposes to me, it's really like it's just one of those really, as opposed to uh, getting down on one knee and say, Do you
1: feel like part of it Chris, is a nudge though?
2: Uh, I. Th- Really good question, Bobby. I think more now, it's like, I think, like, it, it like it could be. But then she's not said it more recently. So I think maybe, I think sometimes not saying anything says more than words, doesn't it, really? To so the fact she's not fleetingly saying it, either means she's planning uh, her exit, or actually she kind of would like, like you know, I don't think she would be absolutely against the idea of us getting engaged. Um I don't know. Uh, our listeners will probably say, Chris, don't don't kid yourself, mate. She's uh, she doesn't want to marry you. So no, yeah, I, I guess no. We'll I'm invested with...
1: in this now. Let's let's plan the oh, proposal. Okay, I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> Podcast
2: <do it>. exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> shall, shall I get her in now, Money! Propose. <laughs> 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 uh, who knows? Um, well, um, Bob, we 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 spoke about dating games, mm-hmm. and you're on what episode now?
1: Oh, uh, episode four. Wonderful. And who have you had on so far? Uh, so we've had Eilish O'Carroll, who plays Winnie out of Mrs Brown's Boys. Uh, we've had Olga Koch, who's a, a notable comedian on the the touring scene and the club circuit yep. particularly. Um, and Maisie Adam, uh, who actually performed at the Edinburgh Festival uh, when I was working there, so uh, at my venue. So I guess, yeah, there's a callback, Incredible. full circle. Um, so some really great guests so far. We've got actually such a good reaction to the show from Talent so far. We've had so many incredible comedians we've been able to book in. So yeah. I've recorded actually most of this year's episodes already. Um yeah, And we, yeah, it's fun. We cover all sorts. I think I naively went into the show thinking, you know, it's going to be comedy. We're going to have a fun chat about relationships. It's all going to be lighthearted. And much like this conversation, of course, if I'm involved, deep things come up. There's a lot of analysis that happens. And so actually I've been pleasantly surprised, not just I was hoping it'd be funny. I'm pleased about that, but also there's so many important themes that we tackle and yeah. A lot of the time I'm just sat there learning so much. I've even uh, caught a few guests by surprise by just asking them very direct questions. Like I do this thing in dating. Do you think that's wrong? And they're like, I don't know.
2: <laughs> Read this message. Should I, should I have sent that? Um, so how, how, where will people find you?
1: Sure. So I think the easiest thing is if you search my name, uh, I guess on Google, but also the podcasting app. So Bobby temps, that's Bobby with a Y, uh, Temps T E M P S. I don't know. Does that need to be spelled? Probably not. Uh, it's my dyslexia, probably. um Yeah. So so search for me. It should come up along with uh, mental, my mental health show as well.
2: Wonderful. Well, we'll we'll link you in, uh, mate. We've uh, when we when we put this out, which might even be this Monday. So it might be a quick turnaround. On this. um That's a little heads up for seventy six my producers. listening he's like, okay, right you want this done straight away? Um, it's been really uh, cool chatting and. Uh, I find both those uh, films that you have podcasting really fascinating, Bobby. Um, So all the best with, with obviously, the success of both of them. You know, obviously, you're doing very well already. And, uh, yeah, it was great great chatting, mate. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, yeah, catch you soon.
0: Of course. Thank you so much. Chris and I want to tell you all about our Patreon page. It won't take long, but we think you're going to want to hear it. Because you're missing out, quite frankly. All the more risque
2: stuff. But we sometimes think, oh, can we get away with that? Uh, we put it on our Patreon pages. And there's over 150 episodes uh, for our $10
0: subscribers. Absolutely. So for well, wherever that works out in UK pounds, what's that, about £7.50 a month? Yeah,
2: for, for the price of a bag of chips, for a Savaloy and chips, you can actually have us in your ears four
0: times extra a month. That's four episodes minimum that we put out um, exclusively for Patreons. Plus, um, there's loads of, we video most of our episodes now, and the videos you can watch all of the podcasts now over on Patreon as well. Um, we put up loads of other unique content over there, Yeah, don't there's,
2: we? There's, there's pictures there. It's basically our version of our OnlyFans account, isn't it, basically? So you, you exactly. get the sort of pictures on there of, of the behind the scenes of Stew tucking into a pot noodle, basically. Sort of stuff you, that shouldn't be available to the public.
0: No one needs to see that. But that's all. We just thought we'd give you a quick heads up that if you're enjoying these podcasts, then be aware for like £7.50, you can go and listen to over 150 exclusive episodes. And there's some great ones over there with previous guests as well. Um, loads of names that you're going to recognise if you've been listening to, to the, the, the the weekly podcast we put out.
2: And yeah, and also, if you are a subscriber, we're more than likely to do one of your top fives if you recommend it, because we prioritise the patrons first, don't we, as well?
0: Absolutely, yeah. So we, we, we try and sort of do as many top five suggested by you lot as well. So, uh, yeah, head over to Patreon. Where can they find out about it, Chris? Uh,
2: Patreon.com forward slash hardcore listing. Easy peasy. And you can watch an intro video there as well of us in jacuzzis and doing sexy stuff.
0: With Gal Porter.
2: With Gal Porter. Not doing sexy stuff with Gal Porter. Can I just clear, clear that up? Gal, <laughs> not trying to drag your name <laughs> through the mud.
0: And Scroobius Pip. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Patreon dot com forward slash Hardcore Listing. It's a drunken soirée, in we're in. Chris and Joe present Hardcore Listing, the podcast.